Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day, and thank you that it's not raining. And we just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will rain down upon us in this room today as we talk about a very important subject, one that Satan hates. I pray for each person here that your Holy Spirit will speak to their hearts and that you'll be with me, Lord, and anoint me, my lips today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, we're glad that you're back today. Now, I know that you probably have read the um, handbook, you know, that talks about all the seminars. And I mentioned that the description is all wrong, what you read, because we switched and changed on you. So today is all about how to meet the enemy. Where's my clicker? Here we go. How to meet the enemy. I don't know if you guys are aware. I mean, the men are probably aware, but you ladies may not be aware that when two rival football teams meet on the field, before they get there, what do they do? They, they study each other's plays, right? They, they spend time watching the previous games, and they, okay, I know what he's going to do, and I know what he's going to do. Well, we are on a rival field, right? We are in the middle of a battle between Christ and Satan. This world is coming to an end, and Satan wants to take down everyone he can. But God has given us, in his word, ways that we can determine the plays of the enemy, of the rival, so that we will know how we can best avoid his attacks. So how do, we, how do we meet the enemy? Bible says that we are to be sober and vigilant because our adversary, who's the adversary? The devil, as a roaring lion, seeks to devour whomever he will. Now, I looked up, I, I like to do word searches and find out what these words mean. So when we think be sober, we think don't be drunk. Well, that word sober is nafo. It literally means, and I use this for my stress management seminar, I am calm. I am calm. I have my wits about me. In other words, I'm sharp. So when you read that text, he's saying, be sharp, have your wits about you, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, and that roar from a lion is that he's victorious, and we don't want him to be victorious, right? When, in the very beginning, when God created this beautiful world, and he put Adam and Eve in the garden... They were clothed in light, the Bible says. That light represented the righteousness of God, his holiness, his perfectness. And then, of course, they didn't have the Ten Commandments, but I just put that up there to represent obedience. Remember, God told them that they could eat of all the trees of the garden except for one. Do not go to that tree. You can have all the trees, except for this one over here. And had Adam and Eve been obedient, guess what? We wouldn't be where we are today. But sadly, they were not obedient. They were tripped up, and they took of the fruit, and they ate, and they lost. They lost what God had given them in the beginning. And so God sent Jesus Christ here to restore in man what was lost in Eden, to give us back what we lost. So Jesus lived a sinless life, right? 
He was the perfect, perfect sacrifice for us. Was he tempted in all points, even as we are tempted, yet without sin, to give us back that righteousness? So, as Jed was talking here the last two days, he mentioned that as we come to Christ, now the love of God draws us to him, right? Jeremiah says it's the love of God that draws us to God. And as we step toward him, he says, yes, yes, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Then as sinful as our lives may have been, we are accounted righteous. If you give your life to him and as you accept him as your Savior and Lord, I will add, then sinful as your life may have been, you are counted righteous. Christ's righteousness takes the place of your unrighteousness. So it's like this. Can I have this? Sure. Thanks. This represents her unrighteousness. She accepted Christ. Christ takes her unrighteousness and gives her his righteousness. There's an exchange. How much of her unrighteousness does she have? What? None. This is where so many Christians fall. They do not believe that they have been forgiven and cleansed and that they are now righteous. That word righteousness is a scary word, but it's Christ's righteousness because we have no righteousness of our own. So this is steps to Christ 62. It says Christ's righteous character stands in place of your character and you are accepted before God just as if you had not sinned. And we're going to keep drilling you and brainwashing you with this statement. Just as if you had not sinned. That is justified. Okay? Justified. When you are justified, you are just as if you had not sinned. I know you have to let that sink in because we're not used to that. Philippians 1.6 says, It is God that works in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. When you receive Christ... You receive the mind of Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a faulty creation. What? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you believe that? Do you believe that for yourself? That was kind of weak, but that's okay. Because we've all been there. And plus, this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.6. 5, 2.5, Philippians 2.5. Now, let me try to illustrate this. I, you'll find that I'm different than he is. I'm like all over the place. When I receive Christ, when I take a step forward and I receive him, and sinful as my life was, I am now righteous. I am cleansed. I am pure. I receive a new heart. I receive a new mind. How much of my old is still there? None. Okay. Now, 
I'm walking with Jesus step by step. I'm doing devotions. I'm just loving it. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm hit. The devil wants me to believe that all of that is still there. Are you with me? How much of it is there? Okay, good. All right, temptation and sin. Now, where does it begin? Right here. Right here. In your thoughts. That's the only place he can get you, is here. That's why it's so important to protect it. When I became a Christian, while my family was baptized, I was 13. We went through some Bible studies. A Bible worker came to our house, and he had one of those old projector, you know, film strip projectors. And we had pictures on the wall, and I was just really, um, really touched by the pictures of the second coming of Jesus. And I really wanted heaven. I was 13, so I was baptized. But nobody taught me anything about what you do after you're baptized. Anybody here have that same example? When I was from my 13 to 19, I'm in high school, and I'm doing all kinds of things that everybody else does, but I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I go to Sabbath school but I am just like everybody else in the high school. But at 19, I recognize my need for Jesus. My life is totally empty. It's going nowhere. I was weary of the way I was living. I didn't do what he did, the drugs, the alcohol, the pot, all of that. I didn't do that. But I was lonely. I was empty, insecure, just a mess. But yet Jesus took me and he made a new creature out of this mud. But nobody in the church said, oh, I'm so glad that you were rebaptized. Here, let me just put my arm around you and I'm going to help you along your way. It was up to God to teach me. And little by little, I didn't even know where to start in Bible study or, or where to find him. Where, how, what do I do? Have you been there? Good. So, I didn't know about temptations. I didn't know about the thoughts. I didn't know about any of this. And I'm just totally, totally bombarded, thinking that, wow, it seemed like it was better on the other side. I didn't have to wrestle with this. So, are temptations sin? Yes or no? When do they become sin? James has the answer, James 1, 14 and 15. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away from what? What's he drawn away from? I've stepped towards Jesus, but I mean drawn away by my own lusts, and I am enticed. And then, here's the key, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin brings forth death. For the wages of sin is death. Strong desires, yeah. Okay, so what can I do with my thoughts? Now, remember, where is, it that he, where is it that he gets you? In your mind. Do your minds ever just run rampant? Do you sometimes feel like you're going crazy because of all the, the stuff that's up here? And I have to be careful for my words because it's being recorded. But the, the garbage, I would say, that's up here, your past, negative thoughts, cre critical thoughts, <coughs> lustful thoughts, 
They're all in here. So what do we do with those? Well, here we go. Telling dirty jokes. Now, he was going to present this, so all of these are his. I have different ones. <laughs> Bitterness, that one was one of mine. Jealousy. You know, sometimes we don't think it. We don't think we're feeling jealous. But we are. I was feeling jealous yesterday. I was feeling actually kind of, well, I'll just say jealous. I wanted to find a parking spot over close to the ABC because I work there in the evenings. And it's a long walk from the ABC clear over there. And the other night it was raining and I walked in a downpour. So I thought, well, you know, I'd like to find a parking spot, Lord, just close to the ABC would be really nice. So I pull in there, and guess what? There was one, but someone went, meow, <laughs> So I had this feeling like, I'm really jealous because you got that spot. I was even kind of maybe a little bitter because they took that spot. But it's only a... When does it become wrong? When I get out of my car and I exhibit some road rage, right? <laughs> Swear words, anger, resentment, lust. What do we do with these? The Bible has the answer. Cast down imaginations. Bring your thoughts into captivity to Christ. You may, just like I have, you may be thinking a whole bunch of stuff before you realize, wow, I'm thinking some negative things. When it's brought to your attention by the Holy Spirit, like caution, wong, 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 take note, yellow light, becoming red light, stop. Bring those thoughts in. Make them captive to Christ. Never for a moment are we supposed to accept those thoughts, those suggestions as our own. Why? Because we are a new creature. Those things are no longer mine. They're going to come back. But we have, to, we have to, again, those are not mine, Lord. I give those to you. Bitterness. Someone treated me bad. That's not mine, Lord. That's yours. See what I'm saying? Sanctification is a work of a lifetime. It's a continual moment by moment by moment surrendering to Christ. And as we do that, we will have a life of continual victory, even if we fall. Okay? Finally, brethren, Philippians 4.8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, what are we to do? Think on these things. I was doing a Bible study with a woman, and we were talking about, you know, about the mind and the importance of protecting it and keeping it pure for Jesus, because that's where Satan wants to tempt you. So you have to take all those old stuff goes out, and you have to replace it with the good stuff. So she was telling me about CSI, you know, some of these television programs that so many of us have watched. All that has gone into our brain. And your brain 
has these pathways through it. They call them boutons. And as your habits and everything that you've put in there, it's in your brain. And now it's time when you become a new creature that you develop new pathways in your brain. So when those old thoughts come back, which are out, you know, coming from Satan to bring it back to you, put in something new. See? So the battle is right here. The battle is going to be in your mind with this devil of ours. Oops. So how can I tell when I'm being tempted? Do you guys know when you're being tempted? Is it like obvious? Not always, is it? Okay, so you're going to feel the pull of the flesh. Now, this is my niece and a dog. I thought that would be the perfect, the pull of the flesh. So everybody is going to feel the promptings. When you are clothed with the righteousness of Christ, now you are given a special gift of the Holy Spirit to bring to your attention now what's going on. You're no longer in ignorance. You're going to feel this prompting, this pull. What do I mean by the pull of the flesh? What? That, yes, but describe that to me. What's this pull of the flesh? Natural reaction is an excellent answer. When you want to do something? <laughs> the flesh wars against the spirit, Galatians 5.17. There's a battle between the flesh, that's our carnal nature, our normal self, and the spiritual self. The devil wants us to take all of those things back in so that we have fallen in those areas, so we are weak in those areas. I'm not, I've never been a drinker, so I am not weak with alcohol. The devil does not tempt me with beer that's got all that condensation dripping off the can. But I'm tempted in other areas that I have fallen, that I've been defeated. Okay? And the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another. If you are in Christ... Your life now is contrary to what it used to be. You need to accept that. And every time you feel the pull of the flesh, remind yourself. Say it out loud if you have to. I am a new creation. Those old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have to tell ourselves that. Or we're just going to go along like we always have. Well... Is it okay if I tell you some stories about myself? Okay, sometimes we're going to be tripped up. Tripped up means something got in our way. Boom. Surprised. Well, um, I went into the dress barn. It was one of my favorite places to go. And I had some things on hold, right? And I went back in to pick them up, but I didn't try them on. Took them home, tried them on, they didn't fit. I brought them back and asked to exchange it. Well, I got a clerk who was in a bad mood, I think. So here I am, the customer, smiling. Can I please exchange these? Because they don't fit. And she looked as well, we were holding them for you. You should have maybe tried them on. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, I didn't. Can I just exchange them? She did not want to exchange them. So what am I feeling? Anybody been there? Okay. 
So I'm feeling this natural reaction, as our brother said. Starts kind of low down here, like a hot flash. Low down here, and it works its way up. And pretty soon, it's right here in your throat. And you're, I'm a Christian, and I'm trying to hold it in, lady, so just give me my exchange, right? And so it's like right here, and finally, I spoke, not lovingly, not kindly. In fact, I... <laughs> <laughs> he saw me do this. I came bursting through those doors, stomping like this, and I'm just, my face was red, and I was just hot. And he said, what in the world happened to you? And then I burst into tears because I was defeated. I've, the promptings, the pull of the flesh overcame me. Anybody been there? Yeah, well, I won't tell you any more about that one. But you know what I, you know what I had to do? I mean, I, I got in the car. I was supposed to go register for a college class. Do you think I was in the mood to register for a college class? And, and to, to present myself, first of all, can you tell if somebody has been upset by their face? So I am visibly a mess. So I go home, and I try to sleep, and I've got this... You know what you need to do, Jody. You know what you need to do. I know it. So asking for grace to go and do the right thing. What was the right thing? Yes. I had to go back and apologize to her for my reaction. Well, I didn't want to say that. For my, my reaction. When I did that, what happened? She told me what a bad day she was having. And her life was a mess. But something more important happened for me. I gained a victory. Because the devil didn't keep me down. That's important. Here's my favorite text. Psalm, one, Psalm 39, verses 1 through 3. You guys need to mark this. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spake with my tongue. You see the experience here? Who, who wrote this? Am I the only one who has this experience? Was David a godly man? Sometimes. He wrote this, a man after my own heart, God says. So even the best of them, there are thoughts that come in that annoy even the best of men, the most godly men and women. So what if I am surprised or deceived? This is out of a devotional book, and I really appreciated this. It's Our High Calling, page 49. If through manifold, what does that indicate? Manifold temptations, we are surprised or deceived into sin. He, who is he? Does not leave us to perish. No, no, or I would say no way. That is not our Savior. When I was in the dress bar and acting like a silly girl, 
he was right there trying to get my attention. He said, come, come with me. Like my husband would say, honey, it's, it's time to go, you know? <laughs> that is not our Savior. He was tempted in all points as we are, and having been tempted, he knows how to succor those who are tempted. I understand what you're going through. I had to deal with Israel. Come on, I understand. <laughs> and if you make failures and are betrayed into sin, do not feel that you cannot pray. We feel like we are defeated and, oh, God's not going to want to see me today. But seek the Lord more earnestly. Seek him more earnestly when you have fallen. The blood of Jesus is pleading with power. And you know what that word means right here? Efficacy? How do you pronounce it even? Efficacy? Efficacy? Efficacy, which means worthy. For those who are backslidden, for those who are rebellious, for those who sin against great light and love. And many of us may have children out there who are in this category. The blood of Jesus is pleading. And Satan stands at our right hand to accuse us. See what she did? Look what she did. Yeah, she did it. She blew it. But our advocate stands at God's right hand to plead for us. He has never lost a case that has been committed to him. That should be good news. Now, temptations from without find an answering cord within. Okay, alcohol is not an answering cord for me. There are other things. Temptation is resisted. This is another, that same book, page 90, the upward look. When man is powerfully influenced to do a wrong action and knowing that he can do it, he resists by faith with a firm hand upon his own power. Right? No. Oh, you mean I said something wrong? <laughs> Firm hand upon divine power. Can I resist the devil myself? No, I have to grasp his hand and let him do the fighting for me. Okay? So, powerfully influenced to do a wrong action and knowing that you can do it. And temptation comes and is resisted that way. It comes, but it's resisted that way. When you know that you can do it, I'm an adult, I can do whatever I want. Anything. But yet you say no. You say yes to Christ, no to that thing. No to the old man. Unless there's a possibility of yielding, temptation is not temptation. Now, I am tempted in other areas with my, my past, the, the fact that I didn't have a stable home, um, didn't have friends growing up, I was called names, um, those types of things, trying to figure out who I am and if I'm special to anybody. My own biological father left my mother when she was pregnant. They were married. I'll tell you more about that story tomorrow. But I've had four dads. Dad number four is my dad. I adopted him when I was 13. So when are you the most susceptible? Do you guys know? When are you weak? 
Anybody here been irritable? Yeah? <laughs> so, <clears throat> when you are irritable, aren't you more susceptible to meh, back at somebody? Yeah, okay. What about this one, when you're hungry? Is it true that low blood sugar can cause you to react different way than if you were, you know? Well, what about when you haven't had enough water, if you're dehydrated? Okay, so pastor over here talked about taking care of your body temple. When you're a new creature, you've got to start living different. You can't live the same old way you used to live. You now belong to him. You're not the old person. So all of those things have to be changed now. And walking with Jesus, he helps you do that. He helps you be obedient to those health laws. So you want to avoid, you want to know how to be victorious? Take care of your body. Okay, hungry. Now, I was hungry one time. And <clears throat> this, is, this is really a silly temptation, okay? It is just like so silly. I had to laugh at this one. I was wearing many, many hats when we worked at the boarding school. I was a registrar, the girls' dean, the choir director, office manager. I did all the outreaches. I did all the mission trips. I took the kids on their choir trips. I did all of these things. And so I needed a break. I was in town gathering some things. We were doing a banquet. So I was going to the party stores and collecting stuff. And I was hungry. I'm not going to make it back. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to treat myself to lunch. And so I pulled into a granny's buffet there in Kennewick, Washington, and got out. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just going to find a table in the back where nobody's going to know me. I didn't have a cell phone because we didn't have those. But um, I get my plate, and I'm like, where do you start at a buffet? The beautiful salads, you know, and I'm getting salad and, and strawberries, and then I got all my stuff on there, and I think, okay, I'm going to get some veggies now. So I get, get my other hot plate, and I'm going over the veggies, and all of a sudden, there's this, this you know, you've seen it, this wave of, of fragrance that comes, to, and it finds my nostrils, zoop, right in there it goes. And it kind of entices me. And I'm thinking, I've smelled that before. And it was, I had an answering cord inside. And it was the chicken. And I find myself leaving the steamed broccoli and moving closer and closer over to that steamed, that fried chicken. And in my mind, now, I'm not saying that eating fried chicken is wrong, okay? This is just my temptation. Go ahead. You know you loved it back in the day. Go ahead and steer one of those crispy breasts. So I find myself picking up the fork. And it's like I'm going like this in slow motion to spear that piece of chicken and put it on my plate. And the voice was getting louder. Nobody knows you're a vegetarian. You can do this. You can go to the back table where you were going to sit and eat it. And then all of a sudden, stuck him in. What are you doing? I dropped the fork like it was hot. And I stood away like this. The people must have thought, she's crazy. 
And, and I just had to think, what just happened here? Trying to trip me up. He's trying to trip me up. Now, would it have been wrong for me to eat a piece of chicken? Yes or no? No. What would have been wrong for me? Listening to the tempter and obeying him. That's where it's wrong. It must have been three to five seconds is all that he had my attention. And before I realized it, I was almost going to obey his prompting because there was an answering cord. Are you with me? But I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice at that moment what I was going to do. Whom will you obey? Even as silly a temptation as it can be, as small as it may be, whom are you going to obey? That is the question. Okay? Now, how about when you're tired? You know how they wear down prisoners? If you're a prisoner of war, how do they wear you down? Keep you awake. They'll give you maybe two to three minutes here and there to shut your eyes, then they wake you up. When you're tired, you're susceptible. How about when you're lonely and depressed? When you're lonely and you're depressed, you may not be tempted to go out there and do something wild and crazy, but what are you thinking? What's coming into your brain? Come on, you can tell me. Suicide? What else? Nobody loves me. I'm hopeless, right? Okay, Satan can come to you, and he comes to you with a cruel suggestion that you are hopeless, and that there's no, no way that you're going to make it. And then he comes back, why don't you just do away with yourself? Okay, recognize, recognize the thought. Recognize what comes in here. And then what do you do with it? Make a choice. We're going to talk about the brain here in a little minute. How about when you're under stress? Yeah? I say things that I would not say when I'm under stress. I teach a stress management seminar, and I have to remember that I'm supposed to breathe. Now's the time to breathe. Now's the time to get away from it. Right? Anybody have a life like this? This is actually my laundry basket. And it was up to here, <laughs> under stress. Now, we promised that we'd tell the story of the U-Haul. We were living in Washington State, and we were very happy there. My family was there. That's where we grew up. I mean, it's the Northwest. And then my job ran out, and I am on unemployment. And when you're on unemployment, you have to apply for jobs. My daughter was at um, an ASI convention, and she happened to go by the, ASI, or the uh, Amazing Facts booth and engaged in a conversation with a gentleman who was manning the booth. And um, he says, hey, do you, you don't know anybody who um, would maybe fit this job description, do you? And she, she read it, and she says, well, that sounds just like my mother. Now, where is Amazing Facts? Does anybody know? California, right? Where's Washington? North. Washington, California. And so what does he do? He calls me to send an application. I have to if I want to receive unemployment. I have to send an, send an application. I did not want to go to California. I did not want to move there. That's too far away. 
Uh, Amazing Facts is a perfect godly place with godly people. Pastor Doug is there, you know, and I am Jody Jensen. I'm nobody. I can't work there. So I end up with his wrestling back and forth with God about that. Well, God won, and we ended up going down there. So we packed up this 65-foot moving truck, U-Haul truck. Do they make 65-foot U-Haul no. trucks? No, they don't. I said it was a 42. And away we go. Say goodbye to our family and friends, and we're on our way. Now, before that, I thought of this really really smart thing to do. Let's get track phones. That way I'll have one and you'll have one. I'm driving our pickup. He's driving the moving van. We can communicate, right? So we get down there, unload our truck, and um, it's time to return it. So it's your part. Okay, Oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, I need to concentrate now. Uh, so we left the apartment that we rented to go down to this storage place. It was just a couple blocks down. Yeah, that's better. And so when we get out of the storage place, I simply say to her, just follow me. Okay, just follow me. I don't know where the U-Haul place is. This is a little town. There's 5,000 people there. There was actually one main street. And I said, just follow me. And so I pull out, and I go down about two blocks, and I look in the mirror, and she's not following me. Well, I saw a Burger King across the street. <laughs> and we hadn't had any water. And I thought, this is my thought, oh, I'm going to get some water. He's going to be so happy. So I went in to get some water, but it took a long time to get two cups of water. And so meanwhile... I pull out to go back to try to find her, get into the storage area. Have you seen my wife? No, she left with you an hour ago. And so I turned around, and I'm, I'm going back to the apartment. No, she's not there. And now I'm praying, God, what happened? Where is she? Why couldn't she just do what I said? <laughs> that was the title of my sermon originally, but that was kind of rude, so I changed it. But, but she, she wouldn't follow me anyway. So... I go on the main street, the main highway there, going towards Amazing Facts, and now she's coming towards me. I'll, oh, great, okay, there she is. Just go around the block. Go around the block. Okay, yeah. Okay, so then I go around the block, and then she goes around another block. And this is not an exaggeration for like two hours. We were going around different blocks in this little town. And I've got a 42-foot moving van. Okay. Okay, so... We didn't meet up. So I am sitting at this, this light, an intersection, and I see a moving truck. There he is. I'm going to follow him. So I get out in the traffic, and I'm following this moving truck. And I'm going towards Sacramento. And the traffic is changing from what it was in that little town. And I start to get really upset. I do not do well in traffic. And I figure out that was not our moving truck. That was a rider truck. We have a U-Haul truck. And so I pulled over to the side of the road, and I'm holding onto the steering wheel, and I'm about to cry, God, help me. And I'm all upset because I'm lost, and I don't know who to call. 
and I get the phone. Where are you? Da 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 da. Ring, ring, ring beside me. I've got his phone. He left his phone on the seat of the truck. I realize I am out here all by myself. Well, a state patrolman comes by, and I did not know that you cannot pull over on the side of the road on the highway there in California. And he, remember I said, can you tell on the face if somebody's upset? And he says, ma'am, are you lost? I said, yes. Where's the U-Haul? And he says, oh, that's easy. Just get on here. Do you see that overpass? Just get off on the right. You'll see the U-Haul on the left. Oh, relief just wafted over me. I was just like, okay, I can deal with this. So I get up there, and I see the U-Haul, and I'm just like praising God that I'm there, and all this stress is over. And I walk in, and with a smile on my face, the gentleman at the counter, I said, Yes, I'm looking for my husband, um, Jed Jensen. He returned a truck. He says, well, ma'am, no one's returned a truck here in over an hour. Oh, uh, yeah, he must have returned it. His name is Jed <laughs> Jensen with a G. G-E-N-S-O-N. He's looking, sorry, ma'am, he's not here. Now, I'm going to tell you about reaction. I wanted to reach across or grab him by the shirt. Where is my husband? But I didn't. I just went out to the truck, and I cried, and I cried, and I, I don't know what to do, Lord. And you know what? Before we call, he will answer. And while we are yet speaking, he will hear. And he says, I know where you are. I know where you are. He says, just go back to where you started from. Very calm voice. And a calm voice calms the person, right? That's why it says to a, what is a slow answer? Soft answer. Okay, I'll do it. So I get in the truck and I go across and I have to merge into that traffic. And pretty soon I'm back in Lincoln. And, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in Lincoln, I'm feeling the flesh rise up. <laughs> and I, I'm getting very upset. I've got a time limit that I have to find this, this storage place, this U-Haul place, and I can't find her. And so I am musing, and I'm, God, what happened? Why couldn't she just follow me? It was so simple. And then, while well, I'm getting upset up to the point where I'm going to lose it. The Holy Spirit said, just relax. You need, to pray. you need to pray for your wife. She's lost. Doesn't she doesn't she like is. traffic. And so I said, Lord, She's you're crying. right. I am so sorry, Lord. So as I'm praying, then the Lord simply gives me this nice little simple thought. A woman would have thought about this like several hours before this, but not me, no. Just go out and park the truck on the road there. So I obeyed him. And like in five minutes, she drives by. and Hey, hi, honey. Come on in. <laughs> So I had all these thoughts of what I was going to say to him when I found him, but none of those thoughts came out. The only thing, I was relieved. I was relieved. And you know, that's kind of how we have to, the point we have to get to, to recognize that we are lost and we need a Savior. We need to know that we're lost, even though we've been in the church all our lives but we've been living without Jesus. 
I was relieved when I found him. All, my, all that was gone when I found him. The only thing I said to him, and he didn't, he didn't get upset with me, but I took his phone I said, please keep this with you. <laughs> so, how do I meet the enemy? So let's get ready to write. I'm going to give you some points here, okay? So how do I meet the enemy? Number one, be on guard. Be on guard. What does he say? Be sober. Be vigilant. Have your mind strong. Be vigilant. Be on guard. Take care of your health. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, Luke 4.4. 4. You, you want something back? Romans 12. Yeah, Romans 12.2 was that first one. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds by the mouth of God. How do you live by the word of God? You've heard this voice, this, this scripture before. How do you live by the word of God? By partaking of it. So I'm going to throw out a thought to you. How are you going to live by the word of God? I'll pick on Helen because I know who she is. So Helen, I throw out to you, you are stupid. How do you live by the word of God? Yes. Okay. That thought has come to me. You are stupid. You can't do anything right. And then I say, this is how I live by the word of God. I am a child of the king. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all of that. All of my thoughts about myself. When you are tempted, you have to live by the word of God. And how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that if you don't spend time putting it in here? Now, I was a Bible teacher. Did I just click that advance? And I did. I was a Bible teacher. I had freshmen, sophomores, and seniors. He had juniors. I had my students memorize scripture. Can you believe it? They had to memorize portions, the big one, and they cried and they whined and they said, Mrs. G, how can we do that? We can't do that. That's impossible. Hebrews 11, the whole chapter. Are you serious? We have to memorize that much? They had five to seven verses a week to memorize. I said, look, you guys, it's not impossible, but it's not for my benefit that you do it. It's for your benefit. Because you don't realize right now that you are in the middle of a battle. And that's how you fight it. It is written. It is written. I will not take that chicken. It is written. I presenting my body as a living sacrifice. And he doesn't, never do they sacrifice chicken. Watch and pray. Mark 14, 38. Watch. What are you watching for? What are you watching for? Give me some more. Give me some more. What do you watch for? Those areas you were weak in. Right? Yes, you've overcome those. Now watch against those. Be aware that those same things are going to come back at you. 
watch and pray the two together watch and pray don't go back to those areas you don't put your old shoes where I've got that on here I'll get to it Exodus 14 14 do not fear stand by and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today the Lord will fight for you watch and pray let him fight for you your job is to submit to him submit yourself therefore unto God then resist the devil and he will flee from you draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you there have been battles that have left me exhausted spiritually emotionally and physically heavy battles with self I have been defeated and I'm exhausted but I need to draw nigh to God what does that mean for me I'm a picture person when I draw nigh to God it's like him engulfing me and protecting me and and spreading his mantle over me to keep me safe to keep me so that I feel safe maybe you haven't experienced battles like that but you will how can I keep from falling our tempter knows where he's gonna get us right what you need to understand is the force of the will that's the governing power right that's what's supposed to determine your choices Joshua 24 15 says to choose you this day whom you will serve every morning when you get up and that's the best time you know what we make excuses I can't do it in the morning because I have to rush out to work yes you can you can make time for God if you want victory, it is imperative that you make time for God. You must consecrate yourself to Him in the morning and make that your very first work. You let Him lead you during the day. We're talking about living the Christian life, living a victorious Christian life, and it's one day at a time, walking with Jesus, trusting in Him to keep you by his grace and it's by faith that you do it by faith this is righteousness by faith have you picked up on that righteousness by faith is simply believing that what God said he will do or that he can do he will do when he says that he will be with you that I can keep you from falling believe that he will do it by faith and you are righteous that's righteousness by faith very simply put so you have the power of choice we talked about that number one consecrate yourself to him in the morning and your children don't leave your family out you may have family members a spouse children who are not walking with the Lord you might be the only one in your family but you consecrate them like Job did his family to the Lord every day number two you trust him to keep you I love this text 2nd Timothy 1 12 
for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Revelation talks about a day when, when um, I think it's in 310, something like that, that, that oh, I just lost it. Anyway, that day that overcome the world, you know that one? Yeah, I'm not going to be able to quote it. I know it, but I can't quote it right now. But you can write it down. Revelation 3.10 says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. And No, that's not it. Well, well, we'll move on. I'll come to it. I'll share it with you tomorrow. Number three, you must fix the word in your heart. Thy word have I... What does that mean? It means you tuck it in, you pack it down, you make sure that it's going to stay there. It's not going to go anywhere. You hide it in your heart so that you might not sin against thee. Psalm 119.11. And this one I love. It's out of the book Great Controversy, page 531. It says, No man is safe for a day or an hour without prayer. You have to watch and pray. Be constant in prayer. Especially should we entreat the Lord for wisdom to understand his word. Why? Because here in his word are revealed the wiles of the tempter and the means by which he may be successfully resisted. It's all here, folks. It's all in your manual. It's all here. You've been given an instruction book to keep you in your ways. And how many of us never pick it up? We just don't take the time Number four, watch for temptation triggers. Hebrews 12.1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset or trip us up. You know where you're weak. And some of these little darlings we hold on to because we don't think they're very important. It's not that big a deal. But I'll tell you what, those are the things that are going to trip you up. Paul says to lay them aside. You can, you can choose to not have them. Get rid of that baggage. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about baggage. My baggage, right here. My mind, my baggage. I did not have a father who loved me. The first three dads did not love me. Dad number one rejected my mother. Dad number two held up. No, he was abusive. He beat my mother up, kicked her down a flight of stairs, eight months pregnant to have her lose the baby. Dad number three held up federal savings and loan corporation and ended up in prison. Is that love? No. So I grew up thinking that I'm hopeless, that I'm deformed, that I'm wrong, that I'm no good, that I'm unlovable, I'm worthless, I'm ugly, and I'm stupid. Lay aside. Do those thoughts come back to me even today? Yeah, they do. And I have to fight it with the word of God. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, Kings and princes to me. Number five, don't give Satan a foothold. Close the door, lock it. We give him a foothold by what pops up on our internet when we gaze at it. He gains a foothold when we hold on to our little pains and hurts. Don't give him a foothold. It says, make no provision for the flesh. Now, here's where my, oh, 
Where's my foot? I had a shoe, an old shoe. I love this song. It says, um, you know, when you've been through the water and you've come out clean, you've got new clothes to cover me. And you don't put your old shoes on your brand new feet when you've been through the water. Do you understand what that's saying? You don't go back. You don't entertain the ideas that you used to have, even though they're going to come back to you. Don't entertain them. And get away from the situation, number six. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation. Notice he does not prevent the temptation. He says he will with the temptation make a way of escape for you that you may bear it. We want God, we want God to just keep us in this bubble so we're not tempted and we don't have any opportunity to fall. But I'll tell you what, there are some times that he may allow you to fall, to make mistakes, to prevent you from making bigger ones so that you can learn and grow by those. Okay? He is with you. And he's not going to allow you. In fact, he will... Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I do the same thing he does. Isaiah 26.20 says, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut the doors about you. Hide yourself for a little while until the indignation is past. You may have to get out of the situation. You may have to flee like Joseph did until that indignation is past. Sometimes we have to spend a long time on our knees with Jesus until we have peace. That, that, it, that thinking, that thought, that temptation, that indignation is past. Okay? Are you getting a picture that this life that maybe you thought you've been living so well involves a lot more effort? Are you willing to step up to the plate? What do you want? Do you want a victorious life in Christ? Do you want to have his righteousness change your character? It's day by day, moment by moment. It's living, it's walking, it's working, it's, it's thinking, it's, it's praying, it's studying, it's memorizing. That takes a lot of effort. Do you want that? That's only you can answer that in your heart. Number seven, remain steadfast, immovable. Here's my old shoe. Stand fast in the liberty. Have you been set free? Yeah? Stand fast in that. And don't become entangled in your old ways. That's Galatians 5.1. Number eight, submit, resist, and draw nigh. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. James 4, 7, 8. Yes, brother. A bat. Yeah. And what is our bat? The scriptures, right? Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Number nine. I cannot. I cannot um, pass this one up. I can't emphasize this enough. We went to one of our churches here a couple weeks ago. Now we only have eight attending members, but there were two of them there. 
Now, when you drive an hour and a half to go to a church and there are two members there, it can be a little disheartening. Yes, I know, there are some days you just get away for the weekend. But many of us stay home and watch 3ABN instead. Attending church is where you have fellowship. You have those people that will pray with you and pray for you. Attending church is where you hear the spoken word of God. You can hear it on 3ABN, but that's on 24-7, right? Don't forsake assembling together. Attend Sabbath school. You know, how many of you are Sabbath school teachers? And when you have maybe two or three in your Sabbath school class, it's really hard when you've prepared all week. So encourage your Sabbath school teachers by attending Sabbath school and giving your input because you have also studied that Sabbath school lesson. Number 10, the most important, save the best one for last, right? Revelation 12, 17, they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I was having an especially rough time because I had just, I had recently lost a baby. And there was a, a woman who wasn't really excited about having children. I mean, it's not that they didn't want them, but their lives were busy. So they weren't ready for children. And now she finds out she's having twins. And I was just really struggling and really wrestling with God about that. And I went outside, and it was in January. Not January here, but January in Washington. And the sky was just ablaze with lights. It was just beautiful. And the Lord just had me testify to him of his goodness. The thought came into my mind, Jody, just praise the God. Praise God for the stars. Okay, I praise you, God, for the stars. Jody, get down on this wet grass. It's cold, it's frozen. Just lay there for a minute and praise God for the wet, frozen ground. Okay, I did that. And, you know, but by the word of my testimony, by my praise to God, by my giving him glory, took my mind away from my own self-centered feeling sorry for myself. So you want victory? Share your testimony. Encourage somebody else. It'll, it'll direct your thoughts in a different way. So what do you do if you fall? I have five things for you to remember. Number one, remember that all of the resources of heaven are at your disposal. God would empty out all of heaven of those angels. He'll send them out. You go here. I want, I want 10,000 of you to come over here and you go over here. And oh, 25,000. She really needs you. You go over there. He will empty heaven if necessary to come to your aid rather than see you fall rather than see you overcome all the resources. We have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit, and two-thirds of the angels, which are thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000s, are available for you. When you're on the precipice, you don't know what to do. You cry out to God. All you need to say is, God, help me. Boom, he's right there with those angels lift you up and direct you in another way. Number one, remember, if you make a mistake, come to Jesus. Respond to the gift of repentance. Admit that it was wrong. Confess it to him. Get up and walk. Turn your defeat into victory. If we can recognize those defeats as a beacon of warning, that's what I was talking about, he may allow you to fall as a beacon of warning to keep you from something greater. 
down the road for the big one. Okay? Number two, remember there is forgiveness. Psalm 130, verse 4, but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared, respected. Do you make mistakes? Anybody make mistakes? Yeah. Me too. I think we're in a good club here. Number three, remember, don't let the devil discourage you. He wants to keep you down. So if you are defeated, he's going to try to keep you down with guilt, with thoughts that you blew it. There's no way that was your last chance. That was the 490th time, the 70 times 7. Don't listen to him. That's not the truth. Tell yourself the truth. Even if you are overcome, he does not leave you. He does not forsake you. Why? Because you're a new creature. You now belong to Jesus. You are his. Because I have graven you on the palms of my hands. My favorite one in Isaiah 43 says that, that um, he has called me by my name. I am his. I'll share more about that this later this week. 1 John 3.10, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. And I hope as you're writing down these verses that you will go back into your Bible and you will take something. Now, some people don't like to write in their Bibles, but I'll tell you what, it sure helps me. When I highlight and I write these notes, I put sticky notes in there because I never liked to study when I was in school, and they help me. Okay, I'll read something, and I go, oh, man, I've got to put that in my Bible so I can, I can go back and, and read it. Helen? Psalm 130, verse 4. Some of us don't know, you know, we need tips for how to study the Bible. For me, it was just hard because I didn't know where to start, for one. Start in the Gospels. John is an easy one to start with. Just read through. Get out, get out other, you know, commentaries and read along with it. And as you read along, write yourself a little note. How does this apply to me? What can I do? How is this going to change my life? Ask questions. Okay, number four. Remember to get back up. We may often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus for our mistakes and our failures. But get up. He helps you up. Remember the woman who was brought to him? And he said, neither do I condemn you. She came to the feet of Jesus. Go and sin no more. Number five, remember you have an advocate. 1 John 2, 1. I'm sure you've memorized this one, right? If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Simon, Simon, Luke 22. And I like to put my name there. Luke 22, 31 and 32. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fails not. Did Jesus know that Simon, was, that's Peter, was going to have a hard time? Yes. Yeah. And what did he say? I've prayed for you, Peter. Jesus is praying for us, too. He's mediating in our behalf. Remember that you have an advocate. 1 John 2, verse 1. Number, well, here's, was that number five before? So I missed, this might be number six. Remember, Satan has been defeated. I love this. Ezekiel 27, 36. Never shalt thou be any more. And all of God's people said? 
Now, in closing, I have this statement here. Gospel Workers, page 160. The enemy of God and man is not willing that the righteousness of Christ should be clearly presented. For he knows that if the people receive it fully, what will happen? His power will be broken. Do you want his power broken in your life? Yeah? Remember that it's Christ's righteousness. We lost it. Adam lost it for us back in the garden. Christ wants to restore it in us. When we come to him, he exchanges. He takes our unrighteousness and gives us his righteousness. We receive a new mind, a new heart. We are a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. This is righteousness by faith. Believing that what God says he can do, that he's able to do, abundantly above all that we can ask or think, he will do it. We believe that by faith. We don't go on how we're feeling at the moment. Never can we trust our own feeling. We must believe the word of God. We must trust the word of God. We must rely upon his word, the promises of God that are given for you to keep you from falling. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God. Let's read this together. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can live a victorious Christian life. It's possible. You may fall. Yes, you may. But get back up. Trust him to keep what you've committed, your heart, to him. Guard your heart. Watch. Don't go back to those TV shows. Don't go back to that music anymore. That left you in a ditch. Keep a song in your heart. Did you know that song is a weapon that we can use against discouragement? Yeah. So I, I always, constantly, I have a song. Hymns are wonderful, full of, full of truth and message. We've got to put it here in order for it to come out here to fight. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful for your willingness to help us live a victorious life. And Jesus, I pray that every day we will, we will long for that, that you will sharpen our minds so that when those temptations come, Lord, we will sense it, we will feel it. And Lord, as these folks go on to their other seminars or meetings, whatever they're going to do, I pray that you will remind them of that day by day. In Jesus' name, This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.